Beware, spoiler phobes, you've stumbled upon a storm of spoilers. If you don't know why you're here, you're about to find out. You do know I let you kidnap me, right? No, we would have taken you. Mm. I doubt it. Not unless you have a kryptonite arrow in that quiver. Is this that thing? <gasps> oh, I've heard so much about this, I'm so excited. If you thought the abduction was cool, you're really gonna like the upgrade. We thought we needed to up the ante for someone of your abilities. This is awesome. This week we will be covering the CW DC Universe shows including The Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow, and discussion will expand to include the latest on-screen Superman. Hello and welcome back to a Storm of Spoilers off-season tour. My name is Dave Gonzalez, and I have to say the CW version of Gorilla Grodd might be my favorite DC television character. I'm Joanna Robinson, and I'm going to go with The Flash's Joe West as my favorite DC uh, CW character. Uh, and I'm Neil Miller, and I would like to th- pick two, because I can, and no one said I couldn't. Cheating! Um, my favorite character currently in the CW DC verse is Cat Grant, because as a longtime Ally McBeal fan, yeah. it's just great to see Callista Flockhart on my television, but... I mourn the loss that DC TV had when it lost Patty Spivet uh, from The Flash. She was great. I was on mm. Team Patty all the way. She's going to be on that new USA show, Shooter. It's totally going to yeah. be worth it. Not going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was that was disappointing last season. My mom recently decided to catch up on The Flash and Arrow and Legends on their DVD releases. And she's been texting me her progress the other day. She's like, I'm really liking this Patty character. And I just texted back, I'm sorry, which I think overly freaked her out. But, you know, by the time she gets where we are, she'll know what's going on. It was like when my uh, mom caught up on Game of Thrones and she texted me halfway through season one and was like, man, Ned Stark is amazing. No. Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then after that, she's like, if they ever kill Jon Snow... I'm going to be so mad and I'm never going to watch this again. This is hilarious. You just keep stepping in it. (laughs) (laughs) Just right back onto that rake. Um, (laughs) This, of course, is uh, Star Wars Spoilers, the podcast that began talking about Game of Thrones in conjunction with the Song of Ice and Fire books and has expanded in the offseason to talk about many pop culture topics. How are we doing? We're going to check in with How We Doing Corner. With Joanna Robinson. That's my corner. Please welcome, pull up a chair. Welcome to the How We Doing Corner. Um, This review, it makes me blush, but Dave and Neil are making me read it anyway. So it's five stars, more please, uh, from Storm of Spoilers A Plus is the user's name. So I suspect they were in the tank for us from the start. Um, Confession slash nerd alert. I downloaded iTunes specifically so I could write a review of Storm of Spoilers. First, Joanna, I've had a crush on every podcast you've done since I discovered A Cast of Kings. Not in a creepy way, but in a girl celebrity crush way, like how everyone has a crush on Scarlett Johansson, right? I enjoy your social justice worrying, not because my life lacks social justice friends or conversation, but because you're... Uh, 
you help situate the show I love into the larger cultural narrative. And now to the sort of creepy part. I, I, I can't read this. I really love the way you talk, your speech patterns, the way you convey ideas and how you're able to sound smart, insightful, assertive, and deferential all at the same time. It hardcore blows that this is a relevant thing to say, but it is a great to have models of women doing it so well. Leaning in, blah, blah, blah. Neil and Dave, y'all are pretty good too. Uh, seriously. <laughs> As for the podcast, couldn't you make them longer or like twice a week? I'm following the off season despite having watched almost none of the shows because while I generally know nothing about pop culture. It's fun to tap into your world slash nerd culture. Westworld at least should get its own, right? I referred to it as the Game of Thrones of the off season and everyone thought I was so witty. I didn't correct them. I unfortunately don't have more to say. I love this podcast and I hope continues for many, many, many more years. I'd give it more stars if I could. So thank you for that. Um, Since you mentioned Westworld, would you like to take a moment to plug uh, your other thing? Oh, yeah, I'm cheating on Dave and Neil and doing a podcast with Dave Chen about Westworld called Decoding Westworld, which you can find on iTunes and other relevant podcast apps. And uh, yeah, we're just doing a weekly, uh, not quite recap of the show. It's something we threw together last or last, last minute, last minute, minute. And yeah, so Decoding Westworld or DecodingWestworld.com. Go, it's, go it's check it out. It's the bevy of Westworld podcasts. Oh yeah, there are a lot. Yeah, yes. we all get to crawl our way through those to the top of the charts <laughs> with your reviews through iTunes. Be like that reader in downloading iTunes, and then you could also, you know, spend a long time complimenting me or Neil if, That's if you fine. like. Yeah, nobody's stopping. Or or Joanna. We all we all love it. Yeah, it's all good. It's pretty. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> Neil, there's another corner in this triangle. Yours is associated with Game of Thrones news. Sure. I think we we could stop being coy about something in your corner this week if you... Yes. Well, so we have, we have another... We have uh, a number of ravens this week. We actually have uh, ravens from multiple sources. And before I get to the Game of Thrones stuff, a uh, quick raven from our new uh, corporate partner, Overlords, at Wondery. Uh, if you guys may have seen on Twitter, we are now part of the Wondery Podcasting Network which means that uh, you will get some uh, very charming advertisements now with Storm of Spoilers, and it will help us uh, do some fun things as we go along, which we'll talk about in a second. But first, uh, as we are new to Wondery, they want to know a little bit more about our audience, so we are asking everyone to go to wondery.com slash survey. It's W-O-N-D-E-R-Y dot com slash survey. Take the survey. I took it because I am a listener of Storm of Spoilers. It took a, a whole 30 seconds to fill out. And uh, that will be very helpful as we find awesome brands to partner up with. And Right. It benefits the listener too, right? Because then you'll get ads that you might actually exactly. want. Right. As, as so opposed Neil's to, like, I'm, I'm not going to mention mattresses. <laughs> right. So um, if everyone just writes like why I need a new mattress, then eventually we can convince a fun mattress company to give Neil a new mattress. Um, it, it'll be funny. <laughs> no. uh, anyway, um, all that to say, uh, some of the things that we may uh, use some of our sponsorship slush fund for is that we are going to con of thrones next year you uh, have probably heard of this uh, we have all sort of tweeted about it we talked about it last week uh, con of thrones.com it is a game of thrones convention being put on by some of our friends around the game of thrones sphere 
and it's going to be in Nashville, Tennessee. It's going to be at the end of June, and it's going to be from all intents and purposes, from what I hear from my inside sources, familiar with the production, very entertaining time, panels, celebrities, at least as famous as Joanna, potentially even more (laughs) famous, and uh, we will be doing a live storm of spoilers there, and you can come and see us and uh, hug, at least me, I'm available for hugs, everyone has their own personal space rules, but mine is pretty wide open for listener hugs and um yeah that's gonna be super fun i think i am not alone in being excited for this right no I'm not so, at all yeah. i just reserve the hug thing until i know if i'm cosplaying or not because if i spend some time getting everything just so maybe just hearty handshakes and back pats okay spiritual whispers it's yeah it's okay it's a cup it's a couple days right i really think we should cosplay at least one day the three of us oh um, wow we're gonna have to come up with some awesome cosplay i mean we know what dave's gonna do i just have to invest in fabrics really nice fabrics <laughs> well, and then I, fuck up my mocking j pin oh just i would just have yeah. to shave my head and wear a robe there you go, buddy. So I just have to shave my head, says Neil Miller. <laughs> so well, we could make that a live event at, at the con. Shave Neil's head. Oh, let's, um, let's move on. <laughs> okay. But anyway, we're going to be there. We're going to be staying there. Uh, the one thing I'll say that, that um, I'm helping a little bit behind the scenes organize this thing. And the one, the biggest kink so far has been hotel rooms. Um, the blocks of hotel rooms keep selling out and the website's not always immediately updated to reflect that. So you think the entire hotel is sold out. It's not. There are still rooms available. Keep checking back for more rooms. But please come. Please hang out with us. Please hug us, but maybe not Dave. And come see a live version of the podcast. That we'll also probably be a little bit involved in some of the other panels, um, events. I'm just, I'm really excited. It's like the the venue is so cool. It's I like I have I have a little bit of an emotional investment in this, but also like just objectively, this well, is the coolest it, looking um, con I've ever seen. Isn't it this? The convention center is like part of Opryland. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's like hillbilly. It's like hillbilly Disneyland. It's awesome. It is. It is like a hundred percent hillbilly Disneyland. There's like the the where the the venue is, like the hotel rooms and the conference rooms and like restaurants and I think there's like a little river and bridges and lampposts. So like a hundred percent Disneyland with I guess a, a hillbilly flair to it. And uh, all heavily taxed by the crown. So you know, get <laughs> get get ready. So if you want to, I I'm gonna plant the seed that people should cosplay as like westerosi versions of famous country singers country westeros is the is the um is the cosplay theme i'd like to see all right we can move on love hate with that idea (laughs) you love it uh we will we'll keep you guys updated on uh hotels and stuff i did you know if you're someone who is going to go and hasn't gotten their hotel yet which is at least uh, two of us on this podcast uh there are a lot of other hotels in that area. It's a it's a very like uh, touristy area of Nashville, so uh, it's all going to be very fun, and I'm very excited to go and talk about Game of Thrones. We also have some Game of Thrones news, mostly uh, some set sightings, which uh, none of these I think are really too spoilery, but we are going to talk a little northern plot here in a second. 
The first one really is not new, as uh, was explained to me off air, uh, is that Bella Ramsey (laughs) (laughs) is... uh... By some jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it was new to me because I've been busy over the last week, but it's apparently Instagram photos have proven and borne out that uh, Liana Mormont is coming back for season seven, something we could have assumed anyway, and she's been seen in costume now. The other one that I found interesting, uh, speaking of the North, is that there are have been some set photos of Maisie Williams coming out of her trailer. She looks to be a little more Northern dressed than she was mm. last time. So, And there have been a, a number of locations... Uh, that have been reported the dark hedges of Stranicum in Ireland and a lot of sort of uh, roadside things. So Joanna went in depth on this on Vanity Fair and I was hoping she would explain a little bit of it to me and the rest of the class can benefit, uh, which is there's where we think we're talking about the King's Road, right? Yeah. So the King's Road, which is where we saw sort of, I mean, the King's Road is long, a long and windy road. But, uh, you know, the, the most significant King's Road scene we saw was um, Ned Stark saying goodbye to John. I, I would pick that as the most significant King's Road moment on the it show. It wasn't the wine and cheese uh, party that Ned and Robert Listen, had on their way. That was that was a really when like when like Robert was doing his best Donald Trump impression, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking to Billy Bush. Um, no, it was not that. Uh, you know, so it was this this farewell moment on the King's Road. So I think if they're going to go do some more King's Road location shooting, I I would expect it's tied to the Winterfell stuff, um, which you know. Could be could be very interesting. Yeah, we have seen Maisie Williams dressed like like Jon Snow, pretty much mm-hmm. like Ned Stark and Jon Snow in that like brown leather jerkin we saw um, Jon Snow take on last season. Um, and she's sort of been shot around right around where um, we've seen all the other northern characters like Bran and Pod and um, Davos and you know, Littlefinger and uh, Jon Snow and and all that sort of thing. Um, the there's a mystery person in with the shooting that I'm really intrigued by. At first, everyone thought it was Sophie Turner's double because she's got long red hair. Um, but the way that she's been shooting and the way that she's dressed, people have now decided that she's not. She's playing this character. There's a casting call for a 17 or a 16-year-old Northern girl, an actress with a Northern accent to take part in what's being called a high-stakes scene with leading cast members. Um, she does look a lot like Sophie Turner, but like a, a, a bit younger. You see her in costume. She wears a sword, though, which is not something that Sansa usually does, even when she's like in general mode. And, um, we see her sort of, uh, hugging Kit Harrington out of costume. So. <clears throat> wild speculation machine because what else is the game of thrones off season four we haven't done this Uh, in so long i'm so happy right now (laughs) is that she's playing a a version show version of alice karstark which is a a dance with dragons character right alice karstark shows up um her relative her creepy family is trying to marry her off to her cousin in order to sort of secure uh who will be next in line for deep uh for no the karstark hold which is carhold right um yeah 
And she's like, no, thank you. Don't want to do that. And so she flees. She encounters Jon Snow. Jon Snow marries her off to the Magnar of Fen, uh, you know, a wildling ally uh, who died on the show. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think Sam killed him. Yeah. No, or John killed him. Yeah. He's a, he's a, Somebody he, killed he's him. He's a cannibal. Not not a fun, fun guy. Um, Jon Snow marries her off. And then she she so she t- to form a new house. Um, a new sort of wildling northern house breed. Okay, so let's extrapolate mm-hmm. that out a little bit. It doesn't have to be Alice Carstark. The last time we saw Lord Carstark was season two when Rob Stark was beheading him, right? It doesn't have to be Alice Carstark, but it could be a young woman from a noble house um, who gets embroiled in some sort of political marriage in order to secure the state of affairs in the north. We do know that Sansa and John will probably be at odds this season thanks to Littlefinger machinations. And so the legitimacy of Winterfell or the or John's hold over the north might be in question. Um if this young woman shows up, um <clears throat> is it possible that there's a wildling bachelor around that Jon Snow might marry her off to? What? Uh which would bum Neil and all the brand Tormund shippers out. But Tormund is a possibility. This girl does look very young though and I think the show is a little bit more aware of those optics than the book might be. Um, <laughs> the other, another option though, um, this is wild, wild speculation that I threw out today, which is, uh, that she might marry John, that John might marry a daughter of a Northern house in order to sort of further cement his position. Um, I know we're all expecting Daenerys will show up and like John and Daenerys will be like the love story for all ages. But I think it might, once again, this is like out of my ass speculation. I think it would be interesting to see the Rob Stark political marriage plot played out again only with John making a different choice um, this time. Uh, Interesting. So that that's sort of a guess. And my, my last wild guess on top of that is that we know that Tim McNerney was uh, in the, in the trailer with her and the boy, there's a boy who's playing like a young boy, you know, that's in the same scene with them and that sort of thing. Um, so I was wondering if maybe they might be Glovers. You don't need to have any book evidence to back this up, like, because the show will just invent what it wants to invent. And if, you know, Lord Glover has a 16 year old daughter or a relative of some sort, um, that would cement John's position with the Northern Lords. Um, yeah, so my guess is mystery teenage girl from House Glover, uh, there for some kind of political marriage, a la Alice Karstark. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so for Dave, we might get back to some politics. Yeah, well, marriage <laughs> politics. <laughs> well, but like, but I guess that is technically politics, e- just not banking. Well, politics. some things that might uh, get under Littlefinger's skin for sure. Well, so yeah, little. No, Littlefinger, yeah. um, there, there's a theory, like, basically I want to get away from this disgusting theory floating around that John's going to marry Sansa, which I'm like not excited about at all. Um, and then there's also the theory that, that Sansa will marry Littlefinger to cement her position. And I hope she's smarter than that. Um, but I feel like there's going to be some, like, it's, it's, you know, we saw the North rally around John at the end of last season, but it's not a, a completely solid state of affairs up there. And and the, the reason I bring all this up is I feel like, you know, we know what's going to happen down south for the most part. No, no, let's take that back. We don't know for the most part. Who knows what's going to happen down south? But we do know there's going to be a <laughs> we do know there's going to be a big battle. There's going to be a big splashy battle. Like for once, like first times in season two, right? The North doesn't get the big splashy battle of Game of Thrones. That's going to be the Lannisters and the Targaryens clashing down south. So, um, 
And in the north, Ramsey's gone. And I don't think we're going to get all of the Night's King stuff until next season. So what is going to be exciting happening up north? We've got Bran coming to possibly fuck things up at the wall. But I feel like they're going to have to add something more than just Littlefinger plots to pit Sansa and John against each other. So this is my bid for a, a northern intrigue that could happen this season. I like this because if you think about it from Littlefinger's perspective and uh, kind of take out the creepy Sansa reminds him of Catelyn Stark thing, uh, strategically, his best play for power of the, in the North would be to get Jon Snow out of the way quietly, have Sansa take the helm at Winterfell and marry her. Right. Because that would bind the Vale and Winterfell and it would put him as the warden of the north in uh whatever regime ends up taking over king's landing essentially so yeah so i think it's interesting that the, they could be at odds john could do some stuff that would put some um make that a little problematic i guess so yeah no, I like I like it. I like it as a I like it as a northern plotline for this year because otherwise, uh, I think a lot of people are are uh, not seeing the forest through the trees and they're thinking, oh well, you know, Daenerys is going to make it all the way up there or Jon's going to go south. Uh, I don't think things move. You know, Game of Thrones lives in a time warp, so anything could happen. But I don't think things are going to move that fast. Yeah, I think they're saving that for se- for the last season. I think Daenerys is still in King's Landing at the end of the season. Um, is my current guess. Uh, the, but, you know, the introduction of Arya into the mix up north is a big deal. And that just broke today mm-hmm. after I wrote my long piece. So, um, you know, who knows? <laughs> Arya might just be right. up there killing, killing mofos. Who knows? Well, yeah. And I still, I still cling to the idea that there are characters in the Riverlands that they still have to deal with. Uh, you know, the Hound, Arya, where did Melisandre go? Uh, what was the point of bringing back the Brotherhood other than to bring the Hound back? So I think that there's still uh, Brienne and Pod potentially going through. So it's interesting the way they shoot things out of order. Arya being in the North doesn't necessarily gonna might not be a beginning of the season thing. Right. So, um, and also they're in Belfast. They literally could shoot Winterfell and uh like 10 minutes away shoot riverlands so interesting all very interesting that is uh our pretty much our whole game of thrones talk there there's a lot of stuff i would direct you guys to uh not only joanna's coverage of vanity fair but the guys at watchers on the oh, yeah. do a very good job of covering every little thing i feel like when we write about game of thrones on our respective sites it's uh, sort of an amalgam of what is being found out there and the you know, 30,000 foot view. They literally write about everything. So if you are just as obsessive, they're a good spot. Usually, usually if I write a long post, it's because I've like, Washington the wall has stacked up like five posts that I'm like, okay, I can weave something out of this because they go very granular. Um, and I admire them for that. And they have everything. They are, they don't get suckered in by wild, like, wild reports that have no basis in anything. Um, you know, they're not like, oh, Jason Momoa is in Ireland, so of course Gal Drogo is coming back. Uh, 
you know, I, they're not like filmschoolrejects.com. No, did you write that? You you wrote that post hilariously. I, I, Come on. Um, yeah, no, I write I write for humor. Obviously. Um, but you know, they, they like, they, they have their feet on very firmly on the ground about this sort of stuff. I just really, and they've got really good sources too. So some of the fun stuff mm-hmm. that they've been posting lately are some of these location shots of like various coastal castles, which should just get you drooling because they look like gorgeous and I'm really excited. Right. So here we go. Woo. As always, not enough banking, but acceptable <laughs> for an episode of Star Wars Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry, they have this not week, brought back however, the, uh, the exterior of the Bank of Bravos yet. Yeah, no, not quite yet. But, you know, we'll be watching with bated breath, and we means me. <clears throat> the rest of us, however, will be catching up with the DC television universe, which uh, is entering different seasons for different shows, but has united into a juggernaut uh, Monday, Supergirl, Tuesday, Flash, Wednesday, Arrow, Thursday, Legends of Tomorrow, like lineup of DC television that will eventually come together to interlock at the midway point of this season. And then later on next season, we'll have continued crossovers, uh, both with characters shuttling between different shows and, uh, the show is actually crossing over in more fun ways. There's going to be a Flash Supergirl musical episode, which I've been asking for ever since I realized that Flash had a whole bunch of fantastic singing actors on it, uh, like like Joanna's favorite character, um, Jesse L. Martin. We want <laughs> yes, so worth it, even when he's being a uh, drunk. I guess who's supposed to pretend like not to care. In flash, uh, this season's flashpoint, confusing, deeply confusing. <laughs> it's been weird to see the arc of. So Joanna and I have talked about these shows a little bit on our other podcast, Thought Bubble, and uh, really, I think enjoyed the process that the Flash went through during its first season, uh, sort of uh, being this bright, shining, fun show that sort of jettisoned out of Arrow, which had started being a lot about flashbacks with horrible wigs and feeling sorry for yourself and uh league of shadows uh craziness um and flash was able to sort of make everything fresh again and then last season flash had to sacrifice some of i think its narrative momentum to spawn the second spinoff series uh legends of tomorrow and uh, the same producers behind all these shows sold Supergirl off to CBS, so nothing was going to happen until ratings there started to go down and The Flash was allowed to cross over. And then when Supergirl wasn't picked up, the CW stepped in and sort of shuttled her over to this universe. So I think the last time we talked, uh, we were thinking that the they were going to use the Flash Flashpoint to introduce uh, Supergirl into this DC universe, uh, but that ends up not being true. Because as we're recording this, we are one episode into Arrow Season 5. It's called Legacy. Uh, we've only seen one episode of uh, Flash Season 3, the Flashpoint episode. At this point, though, Paradox has aired, and uh, I've been like scanning through tweets about that while I've been recording, and it sounds like it's kind of crazy. And then The Adventures of Supergirl aired on Monday, uh, debuting uh, her to the new CW audience, and it ended up being their highest ratings in that time slot 
for eight years. So once again, Supergirl delivers on the ratings, much like she did at CBS. Whether she cannot hold on to it, it's going to be a whole other thing. I feel like I didn't ask anything for anyone to unpack, so I do want to hear what everybody thought of Supergirl because I think it did some really interesting but subtle course correcting from its CBS version to its CW version. Don't you think, <laughs> I have Joanne? a lot of thoughts about <laughs> Super Supergirl is not my favorite show. That's okay. Um, I really like uh, Melissa Benoist. Uh, that's how you pronounce her name, right? Um, our our Kara, and as um, Neil pointed out, it's delightful to have Alan McBeal on on our TV. This episode introduced Tyler Hoechlin as Superman slash Clark Kent, who we only saw sort of periphery. We never met him. He was in the periphery last season, and it was like a huge problem the way they used him last season. So this season, they're like, well, why not? We're going to use Superman. Like, they work their shit out with Zack Snyder or whatever. They get to have their own version of Superman. This is a huge game changer for the show. Like, right? It it tried to launch as this, like, girl power which you all know I'm in support of girl power, uh, girl friendly show. You've got Kara and like her, her main relationship is with her sister. Her main antagonist was her aunt. Her boss was, you know, Kat Grant. Like there's a lot of like female power dynamics in the show. Once you introduce Superman, it's a big game changer. I feel like they could have done Supergirl without Superman, but not given the way they introduced him last year. Like if they had just not used him at all last year, I think it would have been much better for what the show was trying to go for. And now, unfortunately, they're wedded to having this Superman, which just like it makes it a super team show. It's not Supergirl as far as I don't under, I don't know how many episodes Tyler Hoechlin is signed up for, but it sounded like he's going to stick around for a while. Um <clears throat> And so what we see is not Supergirl, it's, it's Super Team, it's Super Cousins, right? And Super Cousins is, super and people. Super Cousins is fun. And like, I really like his, Tyler's, Hoglin's, uh, Clark Kent and Superman. It reminded me a lot of the, like, Dean Kane, Lois and Clark, which I really, really loved as a kid. So, you know, and, and it's fun to see Superman smile and be nice and happy. Um, so that was all good. It just, I think it sort of throws a spanner in their initial, mission statement, which was to have this sort of female answer to flash an arrow. Okay. So that being said, I have one more thing to say, which is that I, so I, I, I liked actually the addition of Superman. I thought it made the show stronger, but, um, I don't like all of the sort of, I don't, I, I wrote it down and then I forgot. Is it DOE? No, that's the Department of Energy. Um, what's the name of like the organization, Dave, that her? It's, isn't it DEO? I think, uh, I think that sounds correct. Yes. The good. I got D- so close. Okay. So the DEO <laughs> stuff, I hate that stuff. I really hate it. And I think it, I, I was trying to think of like what I loved about the Superman shows that I watched, like, like Lois and Clark and like the first like few seasons of Smallville. And what I just really like is the simpler story of a superhero who tries to be a good person and a superhero at the same time and adding this infrastructure of the DEO and, and Martian Manhunter and all this stuff, even though it is very comic booky, um, these organizations, um, are not my favorite thing about a superhero show. All right. That's my Supergirl response. It would be like I think to respond, but also hear what Neil has to say. <laughs> well, I I think what's interesting is like you. 
I feel like you might have a similar thing with The Flash if it was more a cop show. How do you mean? Like if it was more about the police than it was about what's happening at Star Labs or what's happening with like Team Flash. Because it feels like like Supergirl did in the first season, I think this is why it lost me too, it did feel like this. it, it got slowed down by the bureaucracy. Yeah. And having to be part of like this because it, I never thought of Superman that way. I ne- honestly didn't read a lot of Supergirl comics, um, but I, I never thought of that Superman Supergirl world as overly bureaucratic. Right, it's yeah. about an alien who like flies around and is just like America. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I feel like the stuff that worked really well in the new Supergirl. Uh, is is all the stuff. I don't have a problem with the DEO stuff as much, I guess, but I that stuff is boring. Just sort of flat yeah. boring. Martian Manhunter is cool when he's doing Martian Manhunter things. Um, but I thought the stuff that worked really well, which is what I really liked about the Supergirl uh, season premiere, was the dynamics that Clark Kent... Uh, brings to the office, the the Catco office, which uh, really gave Callista Flockhart some interesting stuff so to great. do, other rather than just yell at uh, Kara. And it's it's a it's a character they can bring in that that we know connects to everyone and is very charming and fun. And and then the the stuff where Supergirl and Superman are working together, I think, is great. I do think it's interesting that they're promos like i was watching via the cw app today uh their promos are all about supergirl being you know arrow is like the detective show flash is the kind of uh explosive uh fun show uh legends of tomorrow is the uh, it's like doctor who i don't care but um they the i noticed in the commercial that they're like supergirl is the hero for everyone and I think that's where they've changed the sort of angle of the show is it's less about like the girl power stuff and more about just like, this is a show for everyone. Like if you, if you want to see a good version of Superman, you can come and see that. If you want to come and see a, a really awesome female superhero, you can see that. And I think that's okay. Like that still accomplishes a lot with representation. I don't think Superman takes away from that um, because he is just another fun, interesting player in this world. Um, but I think they did a good job of continuing it to be her show. Like, it's still very much about her. Superman is just kind of there now, um, which is, is fun. He's fun. He's a good Superman. Yeah. It's so much better well, than I the Zack that... Snyder version. <laughs> yes, by far. And I think the thing that makes this version of Superman a version of Superman that I've been waiting for is it's like when you're showing Superman as a character, it's always difficult <laughs> because he's the man of steel. He's something we're supposed to like aspire to live up to, which means making him have flaws is hard and making things be a challenge is hard. So being him, putting him in a show where he can be that gold standard, but they can also go away when we need like actual stakes, I think is really smart. And uh, I think it was the AV Club... Uh, review of it was sort of pointing out that it's like passive feminism to have him just sort of show up and immediately put himself on the same level as Supergirl. It's not as baldly, I mean, girl power-ish as I think like the first three episodes of last season were, which I think is a great 
course correction. But then there's also things that like the the DEO stuff where you could feel them uh, clicking it from a CBS show, I think, to a CW show. So it's like, well, she has to have the team of people that could also do things on their own. And she has to, you know, she can't have a co-romantic interest in the group that fast. So we have to that unwind this Jimmy work, plot though, line. Because it it was nothing. It's sort of like the way that they dissolved the Felicity and, and Ollie thing. Like, for no reason. You can't do this. You guys oh, sure. need to go... Well, I was saying those last two things are really obviously CW enforcing its like its model on. Supergirl. I know. I'm just saying it was like very clumsily done. Like I don't really care about Kara and Jimmy oh, yeah. and like their state of affairs, but I was like, but having to watch them undo whatever it was they were building up to last year was so <laughs> painful to me. Also, hey, at least they're consistent though. <laughs> also, CW. the Jimmy Olsen thing, like. um I read today, or I think that they're going to turn him into a superhero. That's the sort of pet peeve I have. I've talked about this, like with Buffy, um, when you've got your Scooby team and they all start, like it's a bunch of normies and your superhero. And then by the end, everyone's a superhero. I don't like that. Um, well, not only that, but it layers with one of my pet peeves. Here's the quote from Andrew Kreisberg. He's going to become guardian complete with the shield which is going to cause a massive problem in his relationship with Kara because he decides not no! to tell her. Because she wouldn't be able to figure that out with her x-ray vision. Oh, my vision. God. What's he going to do, put on a mask? Well, maybe he'll have something special in his uh. guardian helmet, which has looked several levels of ridiculous over the years. Oh, if please don't tell me it's going to be like a DC's John Diggle helmet. Oh, I mean, that's a good thing. The bad Guardian helmet would be like an Ant-Man helmet, but with like the center part missing. So it's like a chin strap that's really thick and gold. I'm looking we'll, this up now. We'll see. We'll so see. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I did see the 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 flashification a bit of, you know, we already talked about it a little bit on Thought Bubble when Supergirl premiered last week, last year. But like when um, the character when was like so Cisco in this episode, sort of like fangirling over um, Superman. So I'm always I'm down for more Cisco in, in any show. But um, yeah, I just the 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 D.E.O. stuff. I understand they're aliens, but like, I really, I guess I prefer Clark Kent when he's fighting Lex Luthor, like humans. That's so boring. I know. Like, how can you sustain that over several seasons? But like humans or like <laughs> metahumans, but like not all this alien stuff. It... Well, I mean, I kind of like that he's not fighting anybody, That he's like, I've got some time off. That's what, true. What's going well, on? Well, by Superman, I meant Supergirl, city. like, like the supers. And, um, oh, yeah, and, yeah. uh, yeah. And, and since they can't do Lex Luthor. Okay. Well, this is a question for you. Lex Luthor is in jail. I didn't watch the end of Supergirl last season. Lex Luthor in jail. Is that continuity from last season or is it a reflection of the Snyderverse? Um, actually, there are more allusions to the Donnerverse oh. in this episode. Uh, so like Lex causing an earthquake, uh, in California. Um, they talk about, uh, what it, what is it? The new assistant's name is the same name as Gene Hackman's oh. assistant in the first Superman. So there's, I don't think it's directly tying to the DC universe. No. I mean, the, the mention of, uh, one couple, or one guy goes, uh, we should move back to Gotham. Uh, I think is implies there might be a Batman, but it, at least is closer to the Zack Snyder verse than the show's ever been allowed to go before. 
So it's interesting to see that it opens it up. And now that I see that they're opening it up that much, it makes complete sense that they're not going to go full bore and fold that into the universe because the Arrow universe could take a lot of weird time travel and quote-unquote metahumans, but if you fold in Superman aliens, it might it might break it. But, I mean, I guess we're going to have to figure out how that goes. Maybe never. <laughs> Later on, DC Crisis. You know, they need a really good, like, Friday show to make this a complete week. They should really just do a Batgirl Ooh. show. Where, like, Barbara Gordon moves to National City or moves to a city in between and is, you know, trying to get away I from like Gotham. It. I'd watch that. Um, I feel like they could just do, like, the secondary version of every character except for, like, the Flash and Arrow. Because this is like, you know, Supergirl's kind of the secondary Superman. Sorry. No, I mean, um, But like Batgirl would be And an that's awesome like character. kind of why I object to Superman. Like why I see that Superman being there makes the show better and object to him being there at all. Because when you put him in there, it's just so much more apparent that Supergirl is a secondary Superman. And um, I agree mm-hmm. with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. Like it's, I don't think it's feminine, uh, not feminist to say that. It's just like, here's an established, one of the most famous characters. And this is Supergirl. It's Batman and Batgirl. It's the same thing. Like, uh, or come at me feminist mm-hmm. if you want to, but like I do, I, I like, anyway, we should move on. Um, don't at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I think I, I do think to its credit, Supergirl, and this is what one of the things I liked because I was excited. I, I was skeptical about them um, putting Superman in at all because of the s- similar fears. Like it's like, why do a Supergirl show? Why don't you just do a damn Superman show? Um, but they did a good job of making him kind of goofy and equal to Kara like he you know him acknowledging that like she changed his diapers and being sort of embarrassed and stuff like that really does make Superman feel like a supporting character in this show so my feeling about it has changed over the course of one episode already like I was very skeptical and now I'm like all right cool if he sticks around for a couple more episodes and then goes away this will have been a very fun thing for supergirl to have done so yeah i agree um we'll we'll go we'll slide backwards in terms of the premiere that i was most surprised by which i know you guys disagree with me is uh arrow season five Uh, came out of the gate okay here's the thing (laughs) finally told a flashback story that i wanted to see i mean it took five seasons but how he became part of the Bratva is like really the only question I had from season one. So that's great. Two, maybe opened a door for Ollie not to take it on himself, which I feel is going to like that and returning to the Felicity romance too soon are the two like cyanide pills that Arrow is holding over all of us. The, the positive thing is this is going to be the last season of Flashback. Oh, sure it is. So if we get through this. Sure it is. I was, <laughs> I was watching this episode, like my jaw hanging open. I was like, I can't believe we're being subjected to another terrible Ollie wig. Like, how can we be this many seasons into the show and we're still having to endure these awful wigs on poor Stephen Amell? Listen, this is the show that put uh, John Diggle in that <laughs> stupid helmet for like two seasons. There is no mm-hmm. shame in that writer's room. Well, and we haven't even got to see Wild Doug or Mr. Terrific's uh, 
Oh yeah, just the hockey mask. Um, I hated this episode of Arrow. I hated that we're doing flashbacks again. Um, I hated the forced strain between Ollie and Felicity. I hate Mayor Handsome. I hate Alcoholic Dad. I sorry, Arrow lost me last season, and they did not get me back with this episode. So, um, I have similar concerns. Fra- phrase um, phrase more gently. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Here's my two big problems with Arrow. Uh, one is that it is so, it's been so long since they introduced the idea that he's part of the Bradva that I don't care anymore why he's there. I don't, I don't care anything about his past. Like I get it. He, it's all been to harden him for the wars to come. Um, really don't, really don't, uh, give a shit about the rest of it. The other problem I have is that every episode of Arrow that I've watched in the last year, year maybe two feels like i've seen that episode before so and this is why some of the flash crossover stuff works well because it's just different like it's just it's different characters doing different stuff you get them all in a house and they're you know um trying to solve problems it a lot of people think those are clunky episodes because they're trying to like fit the worlds together and launch new shows out of it. But that's to me when arrow is interesting because I feel like I've been down this road so many times with these same characters. Uh, and the only difference is now there's a statue of Laurel instead of her just standing there. So yeah, those are my two big problems with arrow uh, is that I don't care about the flashbacks and, all the action and current events feel like the same stuff that I've been watching for like, I don't know. What is it on season five? Season five, six. Yeah. Season five. Yeah. So it's, we're in the fifth year of doing the same thing over and over again. It feels. I'm just happy that they're finally embracing the fact that arrow is television's Batman. And this show should have always been about the bat family. And now after, you know, four seasons of building to that, it looks like they finally figured that out too. So as let down as I was that Laurel's promise was make sure that I'm not the last Black Canary, I'm like, yeah, just let, let's let get to it. I was, But I think maybe the reason I'm willing to give it a pass is one helicopter uh, action sequence, uh, two, like a ground level villain that isn't like flashing around some dark secret or some like crazy magical power and three that it like ended the first episode of the season with like, I'm going to train some new goddamn team members. So hope I'm hoping they could use this as a pivot into what I want it to be, which is Batman incorporated slowly building up, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I was expecting to feel like my face was being dragged across gravel. So when it wasn't, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, so you had a low bar. <laughs> Should we talk about the best out of, out of all of them now? Wait, I have a question first. <laughs> oh. okay. Yeah. So um, I rewatched or watched uh, the finale, uh, last year's finale of Legends of Tomorrow, which, uh, much to my chagrin, is a show that's still on and coming back. Um, so do you think... Uh, because Arrow has always been a very good, consistent vehicle for them to launch other things. The way Legends of Tomorrow ended last year was by talking about the Justice Society of America. Do you think that we'll get some of those characters in Arrow? Because if that is the case, I might keep watching. If not, I might 
do what I did last year and sort of check out of Arrow for a long period of time and then catch up? Um, I know that for sure the reason that I guess... Uh, okay. What do I know for sure? And the reason <laughs> I guess those are two different things. I know for sure <laughs> that Arrow's 100th episode is coming up and it's going to involve some crossover material. Uh, I don't know necessarily who that is. Uh, or if they're just trying to tease that old characters are coming back for some ridiculous reason. So I guess stick around to 100 if you have the patience and, and see if that shakes out. But right yeah, now, like, I don't know anything specifically. It's like, you know, and, and to a, uh, more, a slightly more enjoyable sense, this is how it is with the Marvel movies. If you've watched all of them, if you're anticipating something in the future, you kind of have to go along for the ride. So I'm anticipating seeing them weave Supergirl into this and maybe do something where there is an episode where Supergirl, Flash, and Arrow, and others have to band together. So, like, I feel obligated to keep going with Arrow, even though it is the least enjoyable thing I watch every week. Wow. Which is, yeah, to me, it's tough. Um, you know, you're, you, but you're pot committed. I'm four year, four years in now. <laughs> like, I I need to get to the musical episode, and if Arrow's gonna be part of that, I <laughs> well, guess so I that's the thing is it. like, are these crossover episodes this season, um, which is like a big big push that the DCCW universe is doing? Um, uh, is it holding us uh, hostage for these series that we don't like? Do I have to watch Listens of Tomorrow so that I understand <laughs> what it means when they cross over? And I reject that. I resent the CW trying to enforce, you know, make everything must must watch um, in order to for me to enjoy like Flash, which is really the only one that I really, really want to watch, you know, Um and uh, Marvel has definitely done this with a lot of their stuff, you know, like they, you have to watch. I mean, I feel like you have to watch Captain America and Thor and all of those in order to understand the Avengers. So um, I understand that they're just taking a page out of out of the Marvel playbook here, but uh, I don't like it. I do think it it's it seems to me like it's something Marvel may have learned on TV because it feels like they sort of gave up on that idea with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where they it's they stopped oh, yeah. trying to te- team it up with all the cinematic universe stuff, and they were just like, "Well, this year we're going to be Ghost Rider," <laughs> and um, well, that might be them learning like the, that lesson. Yeah, I think the way that Flash this is a good way to talk about Flashpoint is uh, initially I thought that Barry's actions at the end of last season, saving his mother and creating the Flashpoint reality was going to have much bigger reverberations throughout the season. So, like, if you would have asked me two weeks ago if you had to watch Arrow, I would have been like, yes, absolutely. Like, everything's going to be all messed up and being able to deal with alternate versions of characters and, like, really playing around with it. But Flashpoint, for me, just kind of, like, squelched that by seemingly wrapping up a lot of... The, the, the things in a little bow and leaving the changes to be discovered later on as like little uh, Easter eggs, which makes a certain amount of sense if I'm writing plots, but feels sort of convenient if I need to have sudden ways out of plots. So Flashpoint isn't really setting up something that I'm super psyched to see them do, no matter how much I like Wally finally getting to be Kid Flash uh, and not like pussyfooting around with having speed force powers uh joanna 
I love this episode. I did love this episode. And I think uh, it was a good idea that they kind of undid the whole thing at the end, honestly. Um, Yeah, I love this episode. I am really excited for this new direction of Flash. I wrote, I wrote basically, uh, uh, in praise of Iris West in this episode because Iris, uh, as I've discussed on Thought Bubble has been a big problem on the Flash for two seasons. And I thought they got her right for the first time in The Runaway Dinosaur, which was my favorite episode of last season, the one that Kevin Smith directed. And I feel like this, this episode really sort of leaned, leaned into that, into the ways in which Iris can be a helpful, engaged member of the team. Uh, we know that at the end of the episode, we're not going to get that Iris uh, this week, this episode is currently airing while we're recording, but, uh, I did talk to a flash writer off the record, uh, you know, but I, so I can't say who it is, but I can say that they're making a conscious effort to, I think the phrase he used was Iris West is our leading, uh, leading lady. I guess they said leading lady. Let's make sure we actually use her. Uh, some of this direction comes down from Greg Berlanti himself and that, you know, the, there's a put, a real push to make, um, the journalism stuff actually part of the plot this season. Um, which has just been always been super tangential. Uh, so I'm excited for that. And I, so then I would say that Caitlin Snow is the only major weakness other than like larger plotting weaknesses, the only character weakness left on the flash. And even Caitlin Snow was delightful in this episode when she was like, have I been kidnapped? Excuse me. Like that was great. That's the best Caitlin Snow we've ever gotten. <laughs> so, um, I did, I loved this episode. Um, and I loved, uh, oh shoot, what's his name? Eobard Thawne, right? I really loved his involvement in this episode. Yeah. I think he's, I think I read that he's going to be a Legends of Tomorrow bad guy though this season. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he's, that's, oh yeah. So that's yeah, disappointing because I really liked him back on the flash, but uh, I know that we're going to get Draco Malfoy instead and a bunch of weird stuff. And I think the theory is that even though Barry reset, a lot of what happened in the Flashpoint, um, Draco Malfoy's character, prophecy, no, what's his name? Prophecy is the name of something else. Anyway, Doctor something, Dementa. Okay, never mind. I'm going to stop guessing. Um, that, that his character <laughs> is like waking <laughs> up these alternative universe characters, right? So like we see this, this kid who was the bad guy, um, in the Flashpoint. And then he gets sort of like awoken as a normal person in the other Flash timeline. And maybe his his bad guy powers are going to come back to him or something like that. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, because I've been rambling too much, is that this episode, which I quite loved, um, was a very conscious F- um, echo of season one, episode one. There are scenes that are, you know, like some of the same lines, definitely same scenarios, but flipped on its head in some way. And, um, I really liked that. I don't think, I don't think it was too soon to do that. I thought it was cute and I'm excited for this season of Flash. Neil, did you like the Flash? Um, I did. It's funny because <laughs> this is why I let you guys go first. Um, <laughs> the, I agree, uh, with both of you. Uh, I agree with David that in that I, I think I sort of built Flashpoint up in my mind to be something like full season arc, many show spanning, and to see them wrap it up so quickly and easily was a little that weird. That was super weird. I don't, yeah. I, I guess, 
at this point I trust Flash more than the other shows, so I'm I'm okay to just go along with it and see what happens because as much as Flash can fix it in episode one, they can break it again in episode yeah. seven if they want. Um and I do think that one of the things I like about Flash and one of the things that keeps it fresh year after year is when it turns into this kind of funhouse mirror show where you get different versions of all the characters. It's something that, you know, you kind of wish Arrow could do because there's not a monotony to it. There's, you know, this episode was a completely different version of Cisco and Caitlin and all these characters that we know. And there have been multiple different versions of them throughout the years with Earth 2 and and all that. So I think it creates it's like fun that's what's fun about it it's not just that it's like a show that makes jokes and you know is goofy and grant gustin um is very charming it's that the show just plays with the the dynamics between their characters in such interesting ways when it gets to tell these uh stories of alternate versions so i think that's one of its strengths and uh this episode uh had that on display so yeah i was I was into it. I mean, I'm I'm super glad to have flashback, and like I said, it, it's a trust thing at this point. Uh, even if I'm don't understand why they needed to wrap it up so quickly, I trust that they have a, a good. Yeah, and like I, I'll be eager to see if it was like them sort of backing off a too bold move, or them having a bigger plan with it. Because if it if it's the latter, you know, I'll be disappointed. Though, I mean, I think it makes sense narratively to have a flashpoint that is just slightly changed, right? So we know that there are going to be some differences, like this Iris Joe estrangement, or Dave was mentioning that there's there's another small differences. So like, I think these smaller differences versus like an entire Bizarro universe is something that can sustain better over a season. Um, so maybe they shouldn't have mm-hmm. done such the huge ramifications in the first place. Maybe doing the huge ramifications was a nod to the comics and they're like, okay, well now let's do a saner, more TV friendly version. Um, so someone won't be so con- like TV watchers won't be so confused. Um, going forward or, or ready theory time, uh, or this is the smaller version of the flashpoint and the bigger one comes later. Like this is the one that Barry somehow kind of figures out that right. he can fix, but then he does something fixing it that causes it to become ultimately worse. Because eventually they're going to have to do something huge to to get Supergirl's world synced up, right? I mean, we're not—they're not just going to ignore right. that and just be like, well, I "Oh, think, National City." Uh, th- I think that they're going to use what Barry's screwing with the timeline to bring back original Jay Garrick, who looks like his father, who in all the interviews that I've read with, uh, yes, yes. John Wesley ship. Is it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, um, he's said that, um, this, the actual Jay Garrick sort of sees himself as like the father of the speed force knowledge. And so if you start introducing like the speed force and into Barry and making rules for that beyond what they did last season, uh, then I think speedsters are going to be the way in between dimensions. Uh, just in terms of how the physics, the DC universe is going to work, because I think it's going to be too weird for something like Legends of Tomorrow to have time travel and multiple dimensions. I think Flash being the dimensional show uh, is going to have to hold down that that those crossover points, or at least speedster characters. Who knows what show it's going to show up on, because I don't know if you guys have seen the Legends of Tomorrow season two sizzle reel, but it looks like uh, 
they get a call from future Barry Allen that kicks off the big oh team. Oh my up gosh. The end oh. What have you? Is yeah. he in a, is he in some kind of power suit? <laughs> in like Snyderverse. You know, in the Snyderverse. <laughs> it's just a screen that's yeah. It's just a screen with a waveform that says Barry Allen, you know, twenty forty, whatever. Uh but he's definitely saying he has a message, and then they cut to a shot on a rooftop, much like we first saw the legends. But Supergirl's at the head of the pack. With, These guys uh, are always on the rooftop. Ollie and Barry. Yeah. Well, I think it's because it's easy to just surround a set with a green screen and shoot with all your famous actors in, in one spot. But we also haven't seen... The reason I would say it, it makes sense for that to be Legends of Tomorrow is because Legends of Tomorrow is, A, supposed to have, quote-unquote, more fun this season with its time travel. So you get to see we're going back to do Jonah Hex, uh, this premiere this week, we're going to go and see Damien Dark try to get a bomb from the Nazis. Uh, we're going to see some white canary seducing uh, some French royalty, maybe. Uh, and uh, lots of crazy stuff. But they're also going to fight the Legion of Doom, which is Eobard Flan, the reverse Flash. Damien Dark, who is Arrow's big villain, but is also, I guess, immortal enough to... Uh, be active in most time periods. Uh, Captain Colt, who is also died oh, at the end of last that. season, but is apparently back for both Flash and uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, Wentworth Miller oh, is good. a supporting actor for both. And uh, Malcolm Merlin is going to jet out of Arrow and be the Legion of Doom. Yeah, so Legends is taking is doing like a supervillain mashup to meet, meet their superhero mashup. So when they fight next time, like... 50% of the people will be flying. Is that what you're telling me? Um, that's that's an old Legends of Tomorrow joke where I couldn't handle people flying and fighting at the same time. Um, but they got rid of the Hawk people. They left at the end of season God. one. So, yeah. um, so but I was kind of glad. I was like, yeah, we could do without them. No. Well, they added in... Yeah, and they, add, they added in Vixen, who was great when she was on Arrow, even though it was a different actress, and now it's Maisie Williams Sellers from... Uh, I don't know. Star Trek Force Awakens, I think, is last. He's Wentworth Miller. Are they doing like a prison break reboot or something? Is Wentworth Miller doing something that he had to leave? Yeah. Wentworth Miller says prison break could come back for even more new episodes. Okay. So that's why he left. But like, (laughs) I love, I love, because there's, it's stupid to kill off Captain Cold because Captain Cold and White Canary are the best part of Legends of Tomorrow. So um, I'm glad he'll still be there in a supporting capacity. Nice. Yeah, I think there was like a really tense few weeks where we weren't sure what was going to go on, but it, they actually brought him on to Flash first, and then I think it was Comic-Con that they unveiled that he was also going to be part of right. Legions of Doom. So all I'm saying is that if if they take themselves less seriously and we have to make fewer rules about time that we instantly break... Uh, that I'm all for a samurai Adam suit and uh, Brad and Ruth you know, mugging for the camera in different time periods. Do you think it's even more uncomfortable for Bram Ruth to be on this now that like there's a Superman on the CWDC (laughs) and he's like, ah, I'm supposed to be Superman. Um, And this Superman's not a, not creepy. Like his Superman Superman is great. Come on. (laughs) He was, it was a little creepy. I would love for them to be, I would love for them to yeah. wink nod in the crossover. That'd be cute. For him to be, be like, hmm. that'd be hilarious. <laughs> I hmm. wouldn't have, my cape wouldn't have looked like <laughs> but that I mean, that's, if I were you or something. No. 
but I, I'm the one who's probably most excited for 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 Legends of Tomorrow because I want it to be the superhero like, Doctor Who team up show. No contest, uh, you're the really one bad. most excited for it. <laughs> Neil and I are both like regard it with revulsion. I think so, um, or like uh, weary resignation. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't have a whole <laughs> lot to watch uh, this fall, so I guess I'll watch it. <laughs> that's a good point it's gonna be a long time before anything else comes back and i've uh, as a sports person i've given up on nfl football because gross um and so yeah i guess i'll just keep watching legends of tomorrow and see what happens (laughs) (laughs) oh he says so reluctantly (laughs) oh an enthusiastic uh, endorsement from from Neil Miller yeah, for yeah. Legends of Tomorrow. Um, well, guys, I, is there I anything do... else? Oh, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, I, I do think, uh, especially as it seems like we're going to uh, move on, uh, I do think we should check back in later in the season. I think we should do one for the crossover, shows. like because yeah, that that's about right. that's unprecedented on on television a four a four show crossover, right? So we should look at it purely from like a dear God, what is this standpoint? <laughs> um, Katie Lotz posted a really cute photo from the set of the crossover where it's her. So you know she plays White Canary, so it's White Canary, um, Iris, Felicity, uh, and one other. It might have been Melissa Benoist. I forget. I don't think so. I think it was another uh, Flash person. But anyway, I was just sort of like, oh, I would like to see all these characters in a room. That seems fun. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, that's the thing about Legends of Tomorrow is it has a lot of characters that I like. I just don't think the, sh- the concept gels uh, for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I do think Dave Dave has a good point about season two. I think they got rid by kind of getting rid of Vandal Savage and this hawk people. Ugh, thing. those hawk people. <laughs> I think that they have an opportunity to to be more of a Doctor Who kind of show where you have situations where they're going... I'm excited to see Jonah Hex. I'm excited to see them in different time periods. And uh, yeah, so I think maybe it, it'll be better this time around. Maybe I'll actually get all the way through the well, season. Oh, it's it's... Thea, sorry. So it's Iris West, White Canary, Felicity, and Thea. Um, nice. It's a really cute photo, too. Uh, they're so cute. Anyway, um, I, I, I will listen to you, Neil, what you just said. I wasn't just not listening to you and waiting to talk. Um, I will listen to what you said. I will always listen to what Dave says. And I agree. If the hawk people, if the stupid hawk people aren't there, and if Vandal Savage isn't part of it, then it's worth giving the show another chance. Hashtag cool. Wentworth Miller rides a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> this season, it looks like it might happen. There are definitely going to be dinosaurs. Awesome. <clears throat> and with that, scary tease of dinosaur. I don't know about you guys. I was terrified of dinosaurs when I was little. Just like really? the idea of what? large things that could eat me. Huh. What? Yeah. Like I saw, maybe I saw Jurassic Park at right the correct age for it to be terrifying. But like, I was always thinking in my bed that if like a T-Rex stuck his head through the window, I would just poop everywhere. It was a little scary because so, I was like 10, but uh, I always thought of the T-Rex as a friend. Oh. I think my, but then he eats the dog in the second one. I had some sort of like educational tape about that was like a fictional. It was like basically Jurassic Park, 
before Jurassic Park and it was like a tour of the dinosaurs. And uh, I just remember the whole Triceratops stuff. I would just like wanted to be friends with the Triceratops. This primed mm-hmm. me for Jurassic Park, which we've already talked about how much I love that movie. But like, uh, yeah, I was We're saving the rest of this for our Crichton episode. Yeah. I, I, like, which is, which is not what I was trying to lead. <laughs> I into know. Sorry. <laughs> done. Sorry. We're doing, we're, we're, we're ruining, ruining your segue. We're ruining, ruining the segue. Yeah. Neil, why don't you just, instead of keeping a secret for a protracted period of time, which was something that this show might do to us <laughs> and has done to us and is going to do to us again, why don't you just let us know what we're doing? Well, uh, the Ravens are in and we've set a course for uh, Swing State, Virginia. We're going to be going to... <laughs> Sorry. We're going to be going to Roanoke, where uh, the election is not the only horror story happening in America. We're going to be uh, my co-hosts, whom I adore, are going to make me watch for the first time American <laughs> Horror Story, and I'll be starting with season whatever this is, uh, because Six. I'm told that it's going to be fine, and I don't like horror stuff, and it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's fine. Oh, Everything's fine. Yeah. Okay. First of all, it's like the best. Like, this is what we're doing next little, like, <laughs> intro you've ever done. So funny. Hashtag no politics on this podcast. Um, and um, it'll be, be fine. fine. It'll be fine. fine. There's, there's Everything's like, fine. There's, like, pig people and, like, angry, dirty colonists. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Listen, if we have a Black it. Mirror episode coming up, so yeah. I will do anything to get to that. Excellent. <laughs> That's yeah, all that's the Excellent. Through American Horror Story, charging. Cool. It's going to be That'll pretty be sweet. I've, I've been on board with American Horror Story since S1E1, motherfuckers. So <laughs> I've been uh, on this roller coaster for a long time. And you survived and the Gaga usually season. Usually enjoying it. So. Yeah, I did. I did. I may not have watched the end of it until recently, but I definitely went into it uh, thinking it could be awesome. Uh, we'll see what American Horror Story has up its sleeve Apparently things are gonna get crazy, so uh, yeah, that's that's what we're gonna do for that. You could watch all of them, I believe, on Netflix and uh, all the way up through hot- Hotel. And uh, if you want to check in on that, I would say that I think season two is the best. Joanna, do you have a favorite season of American Horror Story? I think the first one, actually, Murder House, uh, is my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I just rewatched a bunch of Connie Britton, so that's high on my list as well. Yeah, I just wa- I rewatched a bunch of it because I was like looking at the season one parallels that are in this season, and uh, you know, it was best Evan Peters, uh, you know, best Zachary Quinto, best um, all bitchy bitchy ghost Zachary Quinto is like my favorite, one of my favorite things that American Horror Story has ever given us. Bitchy interior designer ghost. Zachary Kinto. Do I need to say gay? Gay, bitchy, interior designer, ghost, Zachary <laughs> Kinto is my favorite thing that this show has ever given us. Uh, but Evan Peters is also really great in that season as like, um, you know, creepy emo boyfriend from hell. So, you know, there you go. Sweet. Nice. We're going to have a favorite into... season. So, oh, yeah, you will. You, it'll be this season. It'll be your don't favorite season. Don't at me about uh, American Horror Story. Don't at me. <laughs> 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 so uh until next week when we get all spooky where can we find more neil miller haunting the internets uh you can find me <clears throat> writing things filmscorejects.com and i'm gonna be writing i think this week if i can finish it a very fun article about uh 
one of Dave's most anticipated movies of the year, Shin Godzilla. Oh. And mm-hmm. you can get me on the Twitter at Rejects, and uh, that's yep, that's all. That's it. And Joanna Robinson, <laughs> who's probably some sort of robot, uh, meant to make this podcast happen from the future. Um. Oh, that's the I'm I'm listening to your Westworld podcast in my spare time. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, while we're recording, I'm a I'm a gunslinging <laughs> podcast and robot here to tell you. Yeah, so you can hear me on Decoding Westworld, Little Gold Men. Uh, so those the other two podcasts I do. You, you can go register for Con of Thrones right now. I'm helping with that. You can find me on VanityFair.com writing about American Horror Story, or you can you probably shouldn't follow me on Twitter because it's a dark dark time. Uh, maybe it's been a rough week. Maybe a month. Uh, maybe yeah. a month from now, you should follow me on Twitter. Once, once all this everything is over. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm Dave Gonzalez. Spell my first name D A seven E. Don't bother following me on Twitter for a while, though. I probably won't be there. You could find my blogging at geek.com. That Godzilla piece that I've been talking up for a while at thrillist.com this week, and. All the podcasting goodness at fightinginthewarroom.com. Remember to take our Wondery survey and be good listeners so that we could bring you good things like we've continued doing on Star Wars Spoilers, except for next week where we might serve Neil something he really hates. (laughs) Tune in to find out. (laughs) 